This podcast is brain powered by the University of Sydney. We are controlling transmission. Sleek Geeks, Dr. Carl, and Adam Spencer. How are we, Sleek Geek fans? Adam Spencer and Dr. Carl with you with another Sleek Geek podcast. How are you going, Dr. Carl? Uh, Peachy Queen, thank you, Dr. Adam. Very good to hear. What, what did you have for breakfast this morning, Carl? Uh, normally some cut up mango, we've got mango now, mango and papaya with uh, chia seeds because they're okay, not because they're a superfood. The word super belongs only in front of superman, mm-hmm. superphosphate mm-hmm. and superannuation and some different types of nuts such as walnuts, uh, pepita seeds, uh, almonds and Brazil nuts, Great. which so are radioactive. On, on your, just a little aside on your superfoods, uh, I'm vegetarian. And, ah, and I do one of the one of the things longer life expectancy, but you have to pay more attention to your diet. One of the things I do uh, for a living is I MC. I talk at functions, mm. and so after you've been doing that for a while, uh, you become quite intimate with a lot of the major function venues in a lot of the capital cities of Australia, and you even then become familiar with the vegetarian options they give you for dinner because they're lovely, but often reasonab- limited. reasonably limited, and they mm. roll over fairly often. And uh, there's one venue in Sydney. Great food, lovely vegetarian food, but their main meal they give you sometimes is uh, deep-fried kale. Ah, cabbage, I, which is the same as – all the brassicas are the same, yep. I, I love the idea of kale is meant to be a superfood. It's only one way I want to eat my superfood. Deep-fried. Deep fried. Add the calories and the kilojoules and the unnecessariness of it. And I can just imagine it washing all over my taste buds. On the topic of taste buds, Carl, it's time for – a Twitter poll. What's up? Twitter time. Yeah. Come on. Twitter. We've yeah. been running recently at Sleek Geeks. We asked people, uh, your taste buds, how many taste buds cover your tongue? Mm. The two options we gave them were 90,000 or 9,000. So significantly different. Out by a factor of 10, 90,000 or 9,000. Thousand taste buds on your tongue. Have you got any idea, Carl? Um, I'm guessing it'd be in the thousands, but uh, I, I, I could easily could be convinced either way. It is ninety thousand was chosen by seventy eight percent of our respondents. Right, nine thousand by twenty two percent of our respondents, and it's the minority who are correct. Ah, you've got a lot closer to nine thousand than ninety thousand taste buds on your tongue. Awesome things, taste buds. Well, without them, you wouldn't know what was good for you and bad for you. And you have this subset of people who are called super tasters. And the mm. advantage of being a super taster is that you will reject poisons more rapidly because often they're bitter. The disadvantage is that you will reject broccoli and the like and miss out on the anti-cancer chemicals naturally present in low concentrations there. Do super tasters reject some healthy foods just because they're just over too overwhelmingly tasty? They're genetically wired that way with regard to bitterness. Now, tastiness ah. is a different thing again. So it swings and roundabouts. Less likely to die of poisoning when young, but more likely to get a cancer when they're older. There you go. It comes up in my book, Adam Spencer's World of Numbers, because I uh, walk through um, the, the, the concept of age. Oh, yeah. Of your body. Touching on something I'd learned from you a few years ago. That was a ago. book of mine four or five back with a pulse of radioactivity put in by the atom bombs, thus giving us carbon-14 so we could age different 
organ systems, cell types in the body. Because yes. as I sit here, Carl, I am 46 years old. Now, I know Only you're thinking... some of you. I know you're thinking, Adam, oh, no, you 24. On. I've had no work done. No, not really. This is all entirely natural. But yes, you're right. Whilst I'm 46 years old, if you were to take all the cells that make up my skin at the moment, at this moment in time, they're constantly regenerating. Yep. There are no 46-year-old skin cells on my body. My skin regenerates a lot faster than once every 46 years, yeah? So you have this concept that different parts of your body might be a different age. Your skin is generally, I think, two to four weeks old. And so the lining of your gut and your mouth, that would be, I'm guessing, probably younger because, I can't remember, but it's a more dynamic organ that's always continually interacting with the outside world. In other words, the food that you take and is working really hard to get that food and digest it. In your intestines, two to three days you're talking. And in, bones? In your, in your lungs, lungs you're talking. Some parts of your lung as little as two to three weeks old, others up to a year old. Okay, didn't know about the lung. Your, your, your taste buds, around 10 days. Oh, so they get replaced that often. Yeah, so my, even though I'm 46 years young, my taste buds are as little as 10 days old. We think there are parts of your eye and probably parts of your brain that are pretty much your age. Your chronological birth age. Which is interesting, isn't it, that the brain continues, the cells in, in certain parts of the brain continue to regenerate, but there are some bits that are almost permanent. Wow. It's a fascinating thing, how, the old brain. How is that tied to memory? Yes. Do you need to have the cells be the same so the memory is encapsulated from your early years? Very, Whoa. very interesting stuff. On the topic of, and so keep, keep watching, um, out for the Sleek Geeks, follow Sleek Geeks, at Sleek Geeks on Twitter. We regularly put up poll questions there mm. um, to, 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 to find out people's opinions on things and uh, if they're related to things that we'd like to talk about in later shows. So follow at Sleek Geeks. On the topic of healthy living versus unhealthy living, antioxidants. How awesome are antioxidants. Really bad. You don't want to have If I just eat just just a block of antioxidant every day, I will live forever, yes? The exact opposite. What? You'll die sooner. What? I'd like to point out that I was one of these people um, who bought 40 kilograms of vitamin C from drug companies. There you go. When I could buy it in large drums. (laughs) A drum? Yeah, I I had read the line 40 kilo. 40 kilo of vitamin C, C. and then broke it up into half kilo lots. Sure. And then divided off all of my mates. The first one was free. And then after that, you just take 10 grams of vitamin C a day because I believed Linus Pauling. So vitamin, you know. And he was no slouch old Linus. He won a couple of Nobel Prizes, didn't he? Yeah, but he seems to have been wrong with that. So let me tell you the average genre or meme or zeitgeist about oxidants and antioxidants. It seems to be that Oxidants, whatever they are, are bad, and therefore surely antioxidants, whatever they are, must be good. Mm-hmm. And we're all saying that antioxidants are good, so please buy a bottle of my antioxidants and make me wealthy. Yes. Okay, example number one. Go to the gym, pump iron, put on muscle. You don't do any injuries. You've got a regular training program. And sure, after a month, you will put on muscle unless you have antioxidants after each training session. No. And you don't put on the muscle. If you work out at the gym and you're having a regular diet of antioxidants... After, Im- the, after each training immediately session. Immediately after a workout, it impairs your ability to 
Put on muscle. Example number two. You got a bunch of poor buggers who are dying of lung cancer. Mm-hmm. And it's because they smoked and various reasons. And, and and you know their family history and their ages and the stage of their cancer. So because you've got a lot of them, you can say, okay, on average, you bunch will live this many years, you'll live that many years, et cetera, et cetera. And you think, well, let's try to make your life better. And you put them on a diet of foods that are rich in antioxidants, you know, and there's two main sorts. There's the water-soluble antioxidants, such as vitamin C. So have, you know, a couple of bits of fruit every day, and then there's yep. the fat-soluble ones like vitamin A. So have your carrots and pumpkins, and you put them on a diet of foods that is rich in antioxidants, and blow me down, after about three or four years, you can begin to tease out of the statistics that they're living longer. And then the researchers, and they, they did the natural thing. They thought, well, look, if a little bit of antioxidant is good for you, yeah. you can see where I'm heading. Crank it up. Crank it up. They gave them artificial antioxidants. They started dying sooner. Wow. Wow. So the current truth that oxidants are bad and that antioxidants are good is wrong. You actually need ox- oxidants in your body produced naturally to make you grow muscle. So the simple truth is wrong. So it goes all the way back to Michael Pollan in his excellent book um, in Defense of Food, which I discuss in my 20, 31st book, uh, brain food, I'll summarise it for you in seven words. Eat food, mostly plants, not too much. So avoid the vitamin tablets. There was a defining moment in the 70s mm. where the American... There were a few. Oh, yeah. There were a few of them. And uh, here, the um, American Food and Drug Administration had decided that it was not good just to licence wholesale manufacture and consumption of vitamins. Because if you take two grams of vitamin C, Mm. you're having the vitamin C of 60 oranges. There's no way you can eat 60 oranges. And I was saying, look, it doesn't seem to be bad, but it looks too early to tell. Let's just crank the maximum dose down to four or five times Mm -hmm. your daily requirements, not 60. And um, William Proxmere, an American anti-science politician um, who was involved with the pharmaceutical or the health food companies, he started a campaign to let Americans have all the vitamins they wanted. And it was so successful, they got more complaints to Congress and Senate about stopping vitamin pills being made available than they did about the Vietnam War. Mm. And we're now in a situation where people can have huge mega doses of vitamins. And by the way, I used to take mega doses of vitamin C and it was bad. On the topic of oranges, just as an aside from Adam mm. Spencer's World of Numbers. Fine book with a picture of you on the front cover. You know the bell, the big bell, Big Ben, in the Palace of Westminster Bell Tower? Yep. Guess how many oranges it weighs? Whoa, uh, it'd probably weigh about 30 tonnes and oranges would be about 100 grams. Uh, that'd be uh, 10 to a kilogram, 10 to a kilogram, 1,000, 10,000, 50,000? That's not bad, Carl. About 100,000, I have it. Wow, yeah. I was almost within an order of magnitude. That was not bad at all. Oh, well, that's what we people do. But back to what you were talking about, I should have asked this at the beginning of it. What is an oxidant? and therefore an antioxidant. You said things we sort of think of as, is it even unclear as to what one is? Yes. uh, Typically, from a chemical point of view in a reaction, an oxidant would be, for example, oxygen. But then when you go more into chemistry, you then realise it's more to do with the shifting of electrons from here to there, and what is accepting and what is receiving the electrons rather than just pure old oxygen itself. So it's a complicated thing, and then you get into things called reactive oxidative species. So read up in my excellent book with a picture of me on the front cover, except your head is 
Actually, both of us got hair on our faces, Adam. Mine looks perhaps a little fake, that moustache I'm wearing. No disrespect. It's Dr. Carl's short back and science. So short back and sides being the idea. Yeah, so it's a beautiful motif of Dr. Carl on the front. As an old sort of parlour barber from the ages. You know, lovely, lovely old fact about barbers. barbers? I'm pretty sure this is true, that mm. your barbers also used to be surgeons. They were the original surgeons because they had the sharp implements. And that's why the old barber's pole is that red and white spiral. White for the bandages, red for the blood. And, in fact, because the surgeons were originally of lower status, they were not called doctor. They were called mister. And one of my fellow students in medical school, Miss Mann, Jenny Mann, wanted to become a surgeon so she could be called... Mr. Man. Mr. Man. Nice work, Jenny. Great stuff. Um, on the topic of oxygen. Mm, uh, from for uh, your fine book. Adam Spencer's World of Numbers. Available at adamspencer.com.au. If you'd like a signed copy, you go to adamspencer.com.au. No, I've got millions of them. I really do. I've got a great wall of China of boxes <laughs> in my office. Help me. Um, oxygen. So I, in my book, I go through uh, 100 things you probably didn't know about the first 100 elements. Mm. So just a different fact or two about each of the uh, first 100 elements on the periodic table from hydrogen up to fermium. Oxygen, this is great. Uh, it, it, even though it wasn't present in the Big Bang, yep. it's the third most abundant element in the universe. Ah, so it was manufactured in stars. In a typical 70 kilo adult, or a massive kid, I say, about 63% of that person is oxygen. So about 44 kilos Wow. Of a 70-kilo adult is oxygen. The atoms weigh, all grouped together, would weigh, would constitute 40, how much? 40? 60-odd percent, about 44 kilos. 60%. Most of it partnering with hydrogen in water in your body, but 44 kilos of what makes up you are oxygen atoms. Wow. Ain't that cute? Well, speaking about water, did you know that we humans, with global warming, tipped the earth off its axis with water. Now, this is something in your Short Back in Science yeah. book. You've, you've we, mentioned this to me and haven't explained it yet. What? We tipped, we humans, all of whom would fit, as you mentioned, into a box one cubic kilometre on a, one kilometre on a side, we humans had enough effect that we have actually tipped the earth off its axis. So the earth is spinning on its axis, the north-south spin axis. It's tilted about 23 and a half degrees from the vertical. And it's not running dead true because the earth's not spherical, it's not rigid, it's got bumps on the mm-hmm. surface. And one of the major wobbles is a thing called the Chandler wobble, which is, say, you know, three metres by four metres. And it does this on a weird cycle of 433 days. The spin axis of the earth at the north or south pole slowly tracks out this ellipse. And we've been measuring this. The Chandler Wobble was discovered back in 1899, so, or the late 1800s, so we've got good measurements back then. And um, when we did some measurements more recently and we kept on going more accurately, we discovered that in 2005, three things happened. Firstly, the Chandler Wobble changed phase, and I won't go into that. Secondly, the slow drift of the Earth's spin axis, which was drifting at six to seven centimetres per year towards the pole, suddenly it chucked a lefty, and instead of, sorry, towards the equator, and instead of heading towards the equator, is now running 
parallel to the equator, so the drift of the Earth's spin axis has changed direction. And thirdly, it's accelerated by a factor of three, from about six to seven centimetres a year up to 20-odd something centimetres per year. So we humans have tipped the Earth off its axis by a tiny, tiny amount. And how? By melting 600 billion tonnes of water a year. And we've shifted it from one place to another. And it used to be at the North Pole and Greenland and at the South Pole and glaciers on land. And if you do the mathematics of where the water was as ice and where it went to now, that fits in exactly with how we've tipped the Earth off its axis. Now, we're not going to go accelerating off and the equator will become the pole. It'll have no effects at all for millions of years, but it just shows the power of the human race that not only have we heated the Earth up, we have also tipped it ever so slightly off its axis, and we should do something about this global warming. Did you know, Carlton, in 2011, a polar bear swam around for nine days and 687 kilometres in search of sea ice around the Beaufort Sea, North Alaska. 600, normally, I've just been up there in a sailing boat, and a 100-kilometre swim is a pretty decent swim. This one went for how many? 687 kilometres. Would have been running out of resources. For nine days looking for sea. So, there you go. It's all all in Adam Spencer's bolded number. So, yeah, when it comes to the human body, I was mentioning 44 kilos of oxygen. Mm. So, when you're standard 70-kilo human being, 44 kilos of oxygen, what would be the second most common element. The element of life. Hydrogen, phosphorus, hydrogen, carbon, carbon, carbon. carbon? 16 kilos of carbon. 16 kilos of carbon. Enough to make 9,000 pencils. Right, which don't have lead in them. Yeah. Hydrogen, 7 kilos. Nitrogen, 1.8 kilos. I said nitrogen is number four. Calcium, a kilo. And then you're down below uh, one kilo of anything. So you're down in the fairy dust then. Yeah, exactly. So calcium is used for the bones and also as an intracellular communicator of information. All that going on. At any given second, about 5,000 atoms of the potassium in your body, it's about 140 grams, are undergoing radioactivity, a radioactive decay in your body. And by the way, with regard to bananas and potassium, um, the number of bananas, each each banana has what they call a BED, a banana equivalent dose, which is about 1% of your daily radioactivity. And to kill you from radioactivity, you'd have to eat 26 million bananas in one go. 26 million. Yeah, well, you've got got to work hard. And your body does have about 0.2 of a milligram of gold in it. 0.2 of a milligram of gold. For a long time, we knew there was gold in the body, but we didn't know what it was for. Mm-hmm. Scientists have recently found that gold is involved in both the health and maintenance of your joints. No. As well as being a key element in the transmittal of electrical signals in the brain. Wow, so it's involved in electrical signals in the brain as well as in the joints because we don't know why, but gold, if injected, can treat in the short term some types of arthritis. Wow. And you have a lifetime dose of gold that you can have after which it becomes toxic. And so now they've found out how it works. There you go. Well, I'll be blurred. Fascinating stuff all in Adam Spencer's world of numbers at adamspencer.com.au or Dr. Carl's short back in science at bookstores of all qualities everywhere. We'll speak with you next week on the Sleek Geek Podcast. Bye-bye. Bye. Sleep Cakes.